Good morning all and welcome to this morning's encounter with the Lord. This is Russell, your host. How are we all this morning? Good morning, Russell. Good morning, everyone. And we say good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for today, a new day. And we thank you for this wonderful week gone by, for all the new things we have learned, for all the testimonies we have experienced. We give you glory, we give you honor. And we thank you, Lord, that in the midst of all our challenges, you are still there. That you do not abandon us. You do not leave us on our own. But as soon as we call on your name, your word promises us that everyone that calls on your name shall not end up in shame, but they shall be delivered. And we thank you, Father, that you give us that opportunity to commune with you in the secret place. To leave all our baggage, all our burdens behind and to come to you. And you pour your peace and your joy into our hearts. You illuminate us with your wisdom. And you provide understanding on the application of that wisdom. We thank you, Father. For that peace and that joy. And we share it with all those that are part of this prayer meeting and praying family. We share it with Christians everywhere that do not yet know you, with all those who do not want to know you. We share it also, Lord, with all those that we're lifting up at our altar of prayer and those that have no one to pray for them. As we offer our faith to stand in that gap, Lord, we call on your name. The name of our Maker, our Creator, the name of our Father, the Great I Am. The one who is the lifter of men, who dwells in the midst of cherubims, the one who will meet us above the mercy seat, the one who renews for us that mercy every single morning. He is our preserver and his hand is not short to redeem us. And we pray in the name of his son, Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end of our faith and of our destiny. He is our rock, our foundation, our refuge, <clears throat> on which we build our Christian experience, our life of abundance and dominion in this kingdom. He is the Lion of Judah, who will rule with an iron scepter, the one who holds the key of David, so that what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And he says, I have given you the keys to the kingdom. And we pray in the name of his spirit, the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of truth, the spirit of life, the spirit of freedom. The one who brings revelation and reveals the deep and secret things of the father. The one who hovers over everything that is void and formless. To give it life, give it shape, give it form. The one who directs our ministry. The one who teaches us in the way we should go. It is he in who instructs and directs our spiritual growth. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with the gift of your word and your spirit. You have blessed us with the gift of prayer, with the gift of 
angels and destiny help us. We thank you, Father, that you continue to pour out every resource that is available in heaven to us and for our benefit. And you don't hold anything back. We thank you, Father, that you provide all our physical needs as well as all this. You make spiritual gifts available and are ever willing to give all those gifts to us. It is your dream and your plan that we should walk in abundance on the earth realm and in dominion over our circumstances and over every move of the enemy. And that walk is to be a walk of holiness in the image and likeness of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you continue to do that new thing every day in our lives to inch us closer to that image and likeness. We thank you, Father. As we make our prayer and our reflection this morning, I cover and seal every word we speak and every prayer we make, as well as every person that is part of this prayer meeting and every member of every family that is part of this prayer group by the precious blood of Jesus. We put on our angels and dispatch them on assignments in accordance with your will for each of these lives. Lord, call the angel of the Lord to encamp about each of us, to protect and keep us safe from harm, sin, danger, accident, injury, pilfering, theft, hijacking, terrorism, any kind of natural disasters and spiritual attacks. I command that angelic protection and I declare divine exemption in the mighty and all-powerful name of Jesus. And we also herald the power in our spoken word. As we proclaim your word, Lord, from Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, that says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth this day. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And I send it in faith in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the power of life on our tongue. Thank you for the discernment to choose life every time we speak. Thank you, Jesus. Today we start a new series. This is Connected with Faith and we have touched on this topic last week where the Bible says life and death are in the power of your tongue and they that love it shall eat of its fruit. So last week we reflected on the second half of this scripture. They that love it shall eat of its fruit. The choices that you make can amount to life or death. In this series, this is a three-part series, Ken, we will touch on what the Bible really means by life and death. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, In dying you shall surely die. Adam experienced death. But what is death? Is it the end of life? Is it when we stop breathing? Or when our heart stops beating? And that's only physical death of the body. But what then is spiritual death that the Bible talks about? 
And the first instance of that is seen in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam rebelled against God. And then in Genesis 3, 17 onwards, Adam was cursed. What came next was death. So death is being cut off from God. Like Adam was cut off from God and thrown out of the Garden of Eden. And if you note closely there, God didn't curse Adam. He cursed the earth as punishment for Adam. And if you look at it in first instance, you might think, well, shouldn't Adam be punished? Why the earth? What has the earth done? But God's way of punishing is cut off, death. So even the earth will refuse to, to collaborate with Adam and give him everything or anything for that matter. Psalm 82 talks about such a time of the fallen state of mankind. And then verse 5, Psalm 82 verse 5 says, The foundations of the earth are out of course. That is all systems of administration put in place that govern the affairs of the earth have been disrupted. Their course, their directions, the way things were meant to move has now been rerouted or changed or disrupted. So it no longer performs in the way it was designed to perform. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, everything was designed to perform in a pattern that would benefit men. But now all of those are working opposite to him. That's what out of course means. And so it goes on to say, when you look at Psalm 82, verse 6 onwards, 6 and 7, I think in verse 7, it goes on to say, even though you are sons of the Most High, you will die like mere mortals. That's Psalm 82. Everything being cut off. Even the earth does not provide. Earlier, before Adam was kicked out of the garden, he didn't have to toil and work. The earth provided everything. Now its foundations are out of course and it will provide him nothing. So in cursing the earth, Adam got punished in that way. He will have to live on earth, but the earth will not give him anything for free. So going back to Genesis 3 verse 17, it describes the experience of death. And looking at it from now, let's look at it from the tripartite structure of man. Man being body, soul and spirit. Adam was used to connecting with God in his spirit. The Bible says he walked with God in the cool of the shade of the trees. And so he received instructions and supernatural direction from God in his spirit, through his soul, and then it was actioned from the spirit, through the soul, actioned in the body. But now when death came, and he was cut off, he stopped receiving anything from God. So no supernatural strategies, no direction. No more blessings either. All the reception from the spirit stopped. The blessings of Genesis 1 verse 28 
stopped. That blessing was about multiplication. Now, no longer any multiplication. So he was forced now, in the absence of receiving anything in the spirit, he was forced to re rely on whatever his soul received and then translate it to the body. So in the absence of God's wisdom being downloaded, he now had to depend on his fleshly or soulish knowledge, whatever he learned from his surroundings. Are you seeing why we depend so much on our senses and our sensory knowledge? Because from birth, we, have, we don't have that connection in the spirit. We are still the same as Adam. Right up until the day we are born again, that connection with the spirit is restored. And now God starts transmitting to our spirit once again. That is why it is so difficult for many to have faith. Because it is a spiritual experience. It is not something you can perceive with physical senses. And since we are still as Adam, until the day we are born again, we are so used to soulish transmission that we will resist the transmission. Initially, you will resist the transmission that God sends. It is all new. It is all strange. We don't understand and it doesn't go with the ways that we are used to. That's because the nature of its content is exactly opposite to what we have been used to in our life up until that day we are born again. We are used to worldly knowledge that we have been receiving right from the days we've been a child. But that's what the Bible means by the flesh lusts against the spirit. It will resist, it will oppose. <clears throat> so you see people when they're just starting out, and you ask them, are you reading the Bible? They say, the minute I take the Bible in my hand, I feel sleepy. The flesh lusts against the spirit. You feel sleepy, they feel distracted, they want to look at what's happening on Facebook. They just want to get out of that place. There are many that feel restless in that place of prayer. Ten minutes seems like ten days. That's your flesh fighting the spirit. They say, this is not what I am used to. This is not what I will take. And it becomes difficult. That's why initially it's a matter of regimented discipline. Where we put in that fixed amount of time and we keep going no matter the opposition and resistance we feel within our being. That's why we say fix a time, fix a place and spend that fixed amount of time with your Bible reading every single day. Consistency becomes key. Otherwise, flesh lusts against the spirit. And only if you are open to the spirit, then you now start receiving spiritual direction through the Holy Spirit and life can turn around. Provided we are willing to listen to him and obey and cooperate. Can that turn around take place? But till then, until we are made alive in the spirit, till then it is death.
do you see why we remain incomplete without Jesus and the Holy Spirit? It is that death that we are living. When you look at your life and you look at the abundance that Bible describes and it, the, the death that it describes when you finish this series, you compare your life with that and you will know which side you are living on. And it takes that born again experience for us to start transmitting and receiving in the spirit. That is why only Jesus can complete us. Till then we are incomplete. We cannot transmit until he completes. We cannot receive until he completes. We cannot have forgiveness until he completes. There is no redemption, there is no salvation and return back into God's kingdom until he completes. And we will look at those deeper mysteries of salvation as well as we go through this series. We are now talking about death. As we go over the next two days, we will start talking about life as well. Then you will see what those deeper mysteries are. So what does death entail? Let's go back to Genesis 3.17. Genesis 3.17 onwards it says, Thorns and thistles. Only that will grow off the ground. And man would have to work in his sweat and toil where he now, until now, got food for free from the earth. It provided everything. Now he will have to work for it. And the challenge is there will be minimal productivity, no significant harvests, and he will have to work to eat the bread of struggles only. Nothing more than that. To make ends meet. What does that translate to our lives? Inability to pay bills. Health and well-being. Physical and mental challenges. No divine provision or protection. The devil can come and mess around with lives anytime. And we feel our inability to do anything about it. In the case of Cain, he because he committed murder... And he wasn't repentant. He rebelled against God even further. God took his punishment a step further. Adam could at least still till the land and live off it, grow something and live off it. But for Cain, he said, you would not even be able to till. Whatever you try to till and grow, nothing will grow on it. That's why Cain was forced to or banished to a life of being a vagabond. That's the next level of death. There is no place on earth you can call your own. You keep hopping from one place to the other. You cannot settle. And whatever little they have or wherever they go, that barely meets their survival needs and nothing more than that. There might be lives around you that might look like that. Where they're hopping continuously between jobs, businesses, careers, all sorts of things. Multiple jugglery going on. And no evidence of anything substantial to show. Death. Death is the experience of pain, suffering, unfruitfulness. Failure, hardship, and darkness. That is no wisdom. When we say darkness, it is no wisdom or the ability to turn your situation around. 
and no favor from anyone, not even God. So no God and no man will help also. Death is not when we stop breathing. Death is being cut off from God and all these benefits get completely cut off. So when we think, I am a self-made man, I built this, I did that, my popularity, my fame is my hard work, we need to think again. And when Lord, when the Lord kicked Adam out of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim with a flaming double-edged sword so that Adam could not go back in. And neither of us can go back in there till today unless we are born again. That is, if we come under God's judgment by law, then there is nothing we can do to reverse it or atone for it and redeem ourselves from it. We are doomed to living that life of death. And had God not introduced the, the rescue mechanism of Jesus coming and taking our place to bear all that suffering of the death on himself, then we would be in eternal damnation. That's why that, that coming of Jesus is so significant. And in his physical death, he actually experienced the spiritual death here because when you read the Bible and it says before he went to the cross the spirit of God left him and then all the sins of mankind was cast on him that's why the Bible says he who knew no sin was made to become sin and we'll touch on that tomorrow he who knew no sin he had not sinned at all he was made to become sin the sins of entire mankind was put on him Spirit of God left him. He experienced this death. That is why he cried on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Abandoned me to that experience of spiritual death while he hung on the cross for a sin that he didn't commit. It was our sin. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6 and we'll end with that today. It says, He, that is God, has enabled us to be ministers or servants of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant, that is the law, ends in death. But under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. So what is death? Death is having to live the consequences of the law. When you look at certain other versions, I think the King James Version says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter kills means if we come under that law, we have to bear the consequences of that law. There is only death. There is no hope of life because we will always fall short. It is better not to be under that law, not to have to come under God's judgment but to do everything we can to remain under His grace. Because without that grace, there is only judgment and under judgment, there is no hope for you to prove anything. 
even a righteous man like Job argued and failed. So death is having to live under the consequences of God's judgment. It is a legal issue. Tomorrow we'll touch a little further on that. We look at Satan and the fallen angels as well. And then we will get into the topic of life. What does life in contrast to this look like? What does the Bible say? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for an opening of our eyes to see your truth, to receive it and understand it. So that when we reflect on our own lives, our journey and our walk with you in the spirit, our words, our thoughts, our actions, our behavior, as compared to a life of righteousness and holiness and what is the expectation of us in your kingdom, then we are able to compare what we are going through with what is life and what is death. Which side of it are we living on? I ask for that edification in our spirits this day, Lord. And as we pray for spiritual edification, we also pray for our physical and our temporal needs, those of our families and friends. We pray for all those that are battling all kinds of sickness and disease, for all families that are facing division and separation of any kind. We pray for all those that are battling all kinds of strongholds in their lives, especially that of prayerlessness, busyness, ignorance and poverty, all kinds of addictions as well. And we pray for our own personal needs, those of our families and our friends, especially those not yet saved. Father, we thank you that you have heard us, that you always hear us. And as we release our faith and our prayer, making this a prayer of agreement with each other in the spirit, we believe that we have received, Lord. We believe that this prayer is an answered prayer in the name of Jesus. I encourage all those that can pray in the spirit using the gift of tongues to unmute and join in. Those that are praying for that gift, trust the Holy Spirit, unmute your mic, release your faith and then let him take over. Let us now make our prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Mara de Cadiz de la Raja, 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 la Raja
This morning as we were praying, the, the vision that I was given was God knows us through and through. He knows our every thought, our every cell, every single part of us. And the scripture I've been given is from Isaiah 51, verses 15 and 16. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the seas so that its waves roar. And the Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth and hid you in the shadow of my hand, stretching out the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you are being blessed by these morning encounters, Brother Savio's powerful daily reflections, our Divine Mercy and Rosary sessions, as well as the Friday Bible study teachings, please share those with family and friends. Invite them to come join us. and can also share a link to the Telegram group. And a reminder about this evening's Bible study session, the topic is the second part in our series on understanding the Lord's Prayer, where we look at the deeper meaning of the words that Jesus chose while teaching us to pray and how we can make that prayer more effective. So please invite others to come join us this evening. Praise and worship starts from 5.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time onwards. And you can refer to our message on the Telegram group for timings around different time zones in the world. And let the mercy and the grace, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and his favor that comes out of his jealous love for us, chases and overtakes us. Let that be multiplied in each of our lives this day so that as we are blessed, let us in turn go out and be a blessing to everyone around us in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Be blessed and have a wonderful day, everyone. We shall see you at Bible study this evening. Thank you, Russell. God bless everyone.